Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode six of the Roots to Suits podcast, proudly presented by White Ash Group and the Banyan Tree. The Roots to Suits podcast aims to highlight the unique individuals that make up the global cannabis space. My name is Graydon Wellborn, and I'm joined today by my brother and co-host, Jameson Wellborn. Very excited for today's episode. On today's episode, we have Antoinette Gomez, CEO and founder of Pleasure Peaks and the CEO and co-founder of Peak Farm Labs, which is a Canadian medical cannabis company focused on developing therapies targeting sexual health conditions. Antoinette is a medical cannabis maven and an industry friend of mine. Uh, she's been featured on The Growth Op, Forbes Magazine, and has spoken at countless cannabis conferences, and we're really excited to have her on the show. So without th further ado, welcome to the show, Antoinette. Thank you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. I love that I got to meet you guys from different walks of life and yes. we're happy to finally just reconnect with the both of you. I could not believe you both were related. <laughs> <laughs> Says everyone else in the industry. So we love hearing that though. Like that's our favorite thing when people don't realize we'll send an email and I'll be like, Hey, this is my brother, Jameson. And people will think it's like, my brother, but it's really like my brother. <laughs> uh, awesome. So, um, you know, before we jump into Pleasure Peaks and Peak Farm Labs and all the interesting work you've been doing, uh, we want to just take a look back and take a step back and learn more about yourself, Antoinette, and uh, how you got to this point. So if you could rewind for a, a bit for us and tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, where you grew up, and also what your first experience with cannabis was like. Oh my gosh, this is going to go way back now. <laughs> way back. So I think I've been in the industry for almost nine years now. I'm going to go on my 10-year anniversary soon. It's just really exciting. Congrats. Um, a lot has changed in the cannabis landscape over nine years now. Uh, I think it's funny. I think we met probably virtually like many people recently in the space, a lot through Clubhouse, Twitter, yes. the pandemic. Um, but I've been here for nine years now here in Toronto. Of Canada and I guess my first experience with cannabis like my first experience must have been high school definitely and I remember a lot of people using it recreationally and I just never understood why because I would just like eat everything in the fridge at a party I would just like not fully get why what's so cool about the munchies it actually wasn't until later on into my college school years so I actually went to school to become a holistic nutritionist and when I was there there, I was learning about all of these different herbs and natural alternatives. And once I found out that cannabis is also a plant used for um, alternative healing, I was just mind blown on how many foods were really helping people heal when it came to like chronic pain specifically. So I was just been like a really big nerd about food and herbs really early on. And I got to intern at a chronic pain here in Toronto. And at the time we had compassion clubs and this is back in the MMAR day. So this is the first medical marijuana legal program in Canada. And I'm very lucky that I was able to witness those things because under um, the MMAR years ago, we were able to help patients um, grow their own cannabis and figure out how those products are working with their specific ailments. So when I was a holistic nutritionist, holistic nutritionist at this chronic pain clinic, I had patients with cancer, patients with Crohn's disease, patients um, with PTSD, and it came from all different walks of life. And I just found this one common thread amongst all of them, which was pot. 
I was like, what? How are all of my patients smoking cannabis and help having it helpful? And, you know, for me, I was just like, cannabis just makes me eat everything. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. So, like, these people just love pot. It's not the pot. But then after being at that clinic for a little while, I got to learn a ton about cannabinoid therapies. And there has been a lot of knowledge and education about cannabis therapies. It's just, it hasn't been a, really been brought to the forefront yet. So I got to have like an insider scoop of really getting to see this medicine work its magic from an array of different ailments. And um that was probably one of my first steps in the in the industry. I was just so eager to learn as a holistic nutritionist, wanting to learn different cannabis therapies. And I was also like a ganja yoga teacher at the time, wanting to learn yoga and, and like incorporating cannabis with it as well. So I was just eager to learn about this holistic lifestyle of cannabis. Um, but so, the- let me ask you prior to prior to actually entering the industry, where do you say that? interest in holistic plant-based medicine comes from do you do you, did you come from a family uh that, that that had a background in that or did you have a friend growing up that had an influence on you where did that come from yeah i think it came from two influences definitely one was my grandmother getting cancer uh when i was really young and i just wanted to fight to learn anything that would heal her cancer including natural alternatives and food um so getting her on green juices and learning about superfoods and you know trying to detox her lifestyle really what is what got me into figuring out that type of life and then i guess the other thing is i used to work in the music industry very early on and i just wanted to get anything outside of that because i just felt the entertainment world was just so full of toxicity when it came to like the drugs and alcohol but also the environment and and how it impacts your body too so i would just went to peru i quit my job like left the country, broke up. Wait, wait, wait. Can we pause? Sorry, this is this is really cool for me because I, I obviously love love music and the music industry. So um, what did you do in the music industry? I had no idea that you did anything there. It's so funny. I actually went, uh, before I went to school to become um, a holistic nutritionist, I went to school to become an event planner. So I was working um, in like the clubs in Toronto back <laughs> a long time ago, Inc. Entertainment with Charles Kaboom. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, actually moved to New York and I got to work uh, with bad boys and I got to work at a major record label and it was incredible to really like understand the music industry and to be a part of it but at the same time I think it was it was really young and I got to have that industry unveiled so young and I just felt it wasn't really for me and that's when I wanted a change of pace and that holistic lifestyle helping people being true and honest and and like really being a part of something larger than life is what cannabis has brought to me and I love. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so you, what uh, what's this trip to Peru you mentioned before I interrupted you? It was so cool. That was definitely like a pivot in my career and life. Uh, when things were too toxic for me in New York, I left the country to Peru and I just wanted to be with my grandmother for a little bit just to like figure out what what are my next steps in life and we would go to this grocery store (laughs) in Peru it would just be like a market off of a road of dirt like just fruits everywhere you know on 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 piles and but one thing that I found was really fascinating is that at the markets they would have um 
these cardboard, like from cardboard boxes just ripped up, but they would write like what fruit it is. And like, these fruits are good for cancer. These fruits are good for diabetes. And I was like, how can you have that on the side of the road when our whole foods in Canada and the US don't tell us those things? Like I felt that we were so disconnected from food and that's what really got me to learn more about food as a healing standpoint and get into holistic nutrition and I came back and and then I was really fascinated with cannabis and I could not stop. I just kept um, working with different patients and one thing that really stuck out to me was the sexual health aspect of things. When I started getting patients with um, endometriosis or fibroids um, or ovarian cancer. And, and so now, can I interrupt you? Can you quickly just tell us and our listeners what endometriosis is? Yeah, of course. For those and, that don't know. Yeah, it's such a, it's a, it's a disease that's very, um, it's so hard to see because it's almost invisible. You can't see it, uh, but it is incredibly painful and affects um, 10% of the female population or 10% of the uterine, uterus owner's population currently. And what that means is that there is the endometrial tissue that is usually found in the inside of the uterus is starting to grow in other areas of the body. So it can be outside of the uterus, it could be in the rectum, it could be in the intestines, it could be in the lungs. But the thing about this endometrium tissue is that it sheds monthly with your menstrual cycle. So if you find that that tissue is shedding in other areas of the body um, monthly, that can cause tremendous um, pain and um, complications with fertility um, and and um, yeah, um, a lot of things. And unfortunately, the only option for them currently is birth control because birth control will really help manage your menstrual cycle. It'll make it a lot shorter. So if you think of that, it's not really treating it. It's almost like a band-aid effect. And then there's obviously some people with endometriosis who want to be pregnant and have a full-term pregnancy and birth control isn't going to help them. So there aren't, I would argue that there aren't options for, for, for endometriosis patients today because the two options are birth control or hysterectomies. And hysterectomies are so incredibly common today. They're becoming more and more common every day, I feel. And I think it's really sad. And what a hysterectomy is, is we are surgically removing the uterus or a part of the uterus um, or even a part of the vagina as well. And I think that when we do that, we are sterilizing women. They will not be able to bear children anymore. And these things are happening at very young ages, I'm noticing, um, early 20s. So what we're finding is that endo patients usually um, have, are told to get, get pregnant so they can have their children faster because the longer it takes, the more difficult it will be for them to be pregnant. And the thing that stood out the most to me is it really even fertility, it was the sexual health aspect. People with endometriosis find sex so incredibly painful that they would rather live without it. And I think that sentence itself is so insane to me, right? I think like uh, as a person who loves sex, who's so sexually um, optimistic and positive, and it's such a healthy, I always say, if you don't have a healthy sex life, how do you have a healthy life? And there are a ton of people out there that are suffering and we're not doing anything to figure out solutions for them other than surgically removing their uterus, which I think is archaic. One thing that I'll always argue is that when men get penile cancer, we don't cut off their dicks. So why are we doing it to women? It makes no sense to me. I think it's so archaic. 
but this is why I've like, I've vowed my life in my past nine years to doing the research on this specific ailment and fighting for, um, quality research and products for for people especially when it comes to sexual pleasure there's such a huge taboo on it of course so that's 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 why i love what i do it's what i really love fighting for endo patients because we do we have made some progress we have we have found some things so i would love to get into that too so yeah absolutely <laughs> jameson do you have a question yeah so so before we get into you know how you started your your company what you're you're working at the clinic during the mmar days in toronto um and you're seeing all these issues you're learning about cannabis what what inspired you to uh take that leap of faith and, and move to that next step of, of starting you know what was your first venture and what was the the um, ignition point that, that pushed you in that direction to, to, to start that venture? That's such a good question. I love that. Like how, what was that really a turning point where like you need to do this? Like, yes, it's very shocking and it's happening. Um, but why, why did I full on do it? <laughs> and I think what, what made me do it was I had this woman named Katie and I love sharing her story and she shares her story publicly now as well. But Katie came to me saying that she had endo very young and she was uh, married. So she didn't have sex with her partner for months, six months. And I thought that was incredibly shocking. Um, the reason why I continue to do this is because I stood with Katie for so long and many others. I was like, we're going to figure out something that's working for you. A lot of endo patients that I had all said that smoking cannabis helped them around their menstrual cycle. But I knew that smoking could not be the best way to consume that, that type of medicine. We're already using cannabis oils for Crohn's patients, cannabis topicals for MS patients. What's the, what's the like, method of action for endo patients? And that's when we came up with our lubricants. We came up with a safe infusion that would be safe um for the vaginal bacteria um for for women and that was something that was really interesting to figure out how how hard that is too <laughs> and this was while you were at the clinic this is while i was at the clinic and i was okay. like and what i loved about this chronic pain clinic and this old compassion clinic is that we did have canvas products we did we were we were like had like 5,000 patients at this clinic, first of all. So we had like 5,000 grow licenses. And with that, we were able to create different cannabis topicals, tinctures, flowers. And we actually figured out which products were best for different ailments after creating um, compassion circles for specific ailments. So we'll have like Crohn's classes or, or endo classes and we'll figure out what products are working best. So it was an incredible learning opportunity when it came to medical cannabis for me. But when I found out that we needed to focus on endometriosis, we started with the lubricants. And after I found out like the review from them being like, this is insane. This is the first time where I can actually finish a full sexual cycle with my partner. I don't have to stop midpoint. I don't have to like, you know, take it back. Like I can actually be present and fully open in sex. There was a game changer for so many of those endo patients 
that were having trouble for so long. And there was nothing like it on the market today. So that was really helpful for them. But when it comes to your menstrual cycle, that is when it comes to peak pain for them. That is like the most excruciating pain for endo patients. So we wanted to figure out something that can have a longer effect. And that's when we came up with these suppositories. We think of suppository always like a vaginal pill, um, but they have um, a, a type of layer that's really safe for the vaginal lining as well and healing for it. So we use suppositories for endo patients and that was game changer. That's when we started finding that, you know, we were getting feedback of pregnancies uh, from, from women that were told that they would never be able to get pregnant ever which was really exciting. Wow. So I started finding that that was a common thread for endo patients mm. using cannabis. I knew that I needed to make sure that we get the right doctors, do the right research and create a quality medical product on the market because topicals, flowers, all of these things are great, but patients do deserve quality medicine and they do deserve access to it. That's the whole reason we have an industry today. And that was nine years ago. So now I think it's the craziest story because we have a pharmaceutical medical cannabis company now. And Katie, that woman who I was talking about who, who was told that she would never be able to bear children and not have pleasurable sex, used our lube and found a game changer and now has two children who she never thought that she'd have. And now she speaks and she's the president of the Endometriosis Network of Canada and they wow. partnership with McMaster University for endometriosis research in cannabis too. So wow. really moving ahead and we're finding so much efficacy when it comes to this specific ailment, but we want to go even further. Yes, <laughs> cannabis and yes, pot helps, but let's get it to that next step when it comes to suppositories help, right? And those specific formulations for those ailments. And that's what I'm most excited about. And that's what I love doing. <laughs> Amazing. So what was the next the next evolution beyond the, the pain clinic that, that took place? Was it the company you currently have today? Oh my gosh. So no, it wasn't. So one thing about my company is that we've gone through a lot, like as an entrepreneur. It typically, yeah, it typically Tell us. <laughs> as an entrepreneur, we go through a lot of ups and downs, right? And we learned a lot. So this was nine years ago in the MMAR. We've now gone to the MM. Uh, MMAR, MMPR, and then the ACMPR, and then ACMPR 2.0, right? So we've changed a lot over the years. And ever since even we went to the MMPR, I noticed that I was not going to be able to be a part of the legal market in Canada. And it was really upsetting. As a person who's really young, who got in cannabis probably when I was around 18, um, 19, and was really a part of it about medical cannabis to see that the first licenses to have a real legitimate company costed $5 million was a huge setback for a small entrepreneur. It was really disheartening. I didn't have $5 million to start NLP like um, Canopy did or MedRelief did. At the very beginning, remember all of those new ones, the Believes? <laughs> so we couldn't compete at that time. So what I decided to do is I actually became the director of Canada Woman Grow, wanted to continue raising awareness of cannabis as um, a medical ap application, but also as an incredible industry that needs to grow. 
It needs to progress way more than what we have today. And we need to do it consciously. We need to think about our social impact, our environmental impact, and how cannabis can change pharmaceuticals. So there's a lot more to cannabis than what we think. And that's why I loved being the director of Canada at Women Grow. So I got to create different chapters and create a large networks and learned a lot got so many mentors out of that but at the same time I always wanted my own business so and I always wanted my sexual health business too because I felt it mattered and all of the other ones there was only other or there was only other one at the time which is for you and they're still around today but at the same time they're male owned and I was just so sick of seeing so many women sexual health companies that are male owned especially if we look at like KY and Trojan and all these big ones that don't even have healthy ingredients for the vagina like they're not catered to women they're not healthy long term and that's a whole other thing I wanted to talk about too so I ended up traveling the states a lot going to a lot of different expos and i started creating my own hemp line so this is what my products look like in the states pleasure peaks these are cbd infused ovules and these suppositories are what have gotten me all over the states basically so i talk about cannabis suppository or hemp suppositories and how helpful they are for menstrual cramps and they've just taken off. I think what I love about working in the sexual health space is that it's all so taboo. So all of these conversations that people want to tell me about their sex lives, you know, and their sex lives and all the things that they're uncomfortable but want to try. But it's such a conversation starter that it always takes off like wildfire. So I feel that I've been doing really good with Pleasure Peaks in the States because we have like networks for fibroid education centers and like the endometriosis network we're really close with and we work closely with like a lot of sex stores so I feel like the hemp line has been so incredible for me to just get awareness and start my business and also maintain equity in my own company and build the roots and the foundation that I am on top of my own personal brand so Pleasure Peaks is in the States and I've been doing that since 2019 and uh, it's been doing really well. And I absolutely so was that your first business when you were after you uh, were the director um, at I forget the, the name of the Women uh, yes. yes. Yeah. So then you then you launched uh, Pleasure Peaks in the States. Is that correct? Correct. Because because you couldn't get the license in Canada because it costed five million dollars. So you thought. I'll do the hemp thing in the States. Exactly. Okay, got it. Okay, so you launched that in 2019, you said? Yeah, 2018 would be more correct. 2018, okay. we launched these suppositories and we have uh, eight different SKUs. We have lubricants, bath salts. We have, um, we have different um, capsules as well, which is wonderful. So I love the Pleasure Peaks line. This actual picture on the packaging is of a big vulva. It's a pussy on the packaging. And we wanted to do that because like sex is so censored all the time. And it's just a great conversation. I just love this line that we've created. It's not only a product line, we have a really good community. We also do like retreats and education. So there's so much to Pleasure Peaks that I love, but I have never forgotten about the goal of this business and the goal of me and Katie and the goal for patients and why we're here today, which is why I'm happy that 
Canada finally saw what we were doing in the States and they're like, we need to do this here. <laughs> right? And I was really happy about that. So you can see they're the same logos. They're my same businesses, both mine. Um, that's a good depiction of marketing abilities, Canada to US. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> do that. Hold it up again. Yeah, one, more time, hold that up one more time. That, that, that so, is a very good description of what we can do in Canada versus what show we the back. Do. Show the back of them. So <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, God. Yeah. So. And like half of it is a warning sign. Like yeah. more than half. <laughs> Let's be honest. More than half. So were, you, were you able to uh, secure your own license in Canada, or did you partner with another group? How did that? How did that look up here? Yeah. So how did I end up in Canada finally? And I'm so happy I'm back here because I've always wanted to be licensed in Canada. Because even though I am Canadian, and I was really upset on how Health Canada rolled out medical cannabis and recreational cannabis. I do love Canada for its its uh, manufacturing capabilities in the pharmaceutical space, in the medical space. We are really one of the best when it comes to medical cannabis. And I think that we should be leaders in research and development. So that's always been something I wanted to do because I think this product has the potential to compete or to be at the level of like Sativex and Epidiolex really um, like ailment centered cannabis, um, drugs. So, so how did I get in Canada? We didn't get our own license and I never wanted to, as soon as I saw what Canopy and Med Relief and Tilray have to do, I was like, I'm never doing that. I'm never having a legal public company that is scrutinized for everything. And it's just, it's way too much. Um, way too much for a small entrepreneur or a person like myself to do. What I do want to do is I want to make sure that we always work with the best. And like anyone that knows me knows I say that a lot, but it's really true. Like I only work with the best and I've been around long enough to really understand what that is. And I'm really grateful for that because I see so many entrepreneurs making mistakes like that because we're sold smoke and mirrors all day in this industry. And it's so sad, but for me, I was actually pitched by many LPs to buy my brand. So many over the years <laughs> wanted to buy Pleasure Peaks. And it would be wonderful, but they would always want to give me royalties and never equity. And if it was equity, it would be like incredibly tiny that I just know is going to be diluted because it's like it's not the main goal of their business. So I knew I was going to have to partner with someone eventually. I just wanted to make sure that we were partnering with the right one because I could have partnered with companies like Canopy who would have just taken my brand and it would have just been like under the umbrella, another rec adult product, not really seeing the billion dollar unicorn problem that we need to address, which is the missing medical products in the industry that are going to help millions of patients. And you can just see that when it comes to Canada, that all of these LPs do not care about medical cannabis. They have drastically shown that they are putting all of their, their um, efforts, fi finances towards recreational products. And that's because they don't have the experience of pharma and, and the medical background of the legacy market. And I think it's such a disservice to patients and um, the people who really built this industry. So when Hybrid Farm reached out to me, which is like, 
Raheem and Angelo. I don't know if you know Dr. Raheem Dalla and Angelo Lascari. They're well big OGs in the cannabis space. I've actually known them for like probably five years now in cannabis. And Angelo um, has been in cannabis uh, for like ever. And I've known Angelo. So he was at another LP and then he moved to Hybrid Farm. And, and Raheem Dalla is the first man to have a cannabis pharmacy in Canada. He started that. He fought for it and he started that. He's the first license. And what I love about Hybrid so cool. Farm, they're, they're the coolest. Angelo is such an OG. He works with ZigZag too. Um, he sort of another big national access cannabis he so he's been around for a long time um so i have mad respect for them because they're always trying to create opportunities for patients trying to make their their lives better easier and like accessible what i like about hybrid farm is that it's a it's a hybrid approach to retail right so you can get not only your prescriptions there you can get cannabis prescriptions and that's something i think we don't talk about in this industry is like we can get custom cannabis formulations. Like, why aren't we doing more of that? Like, oh, do you want, like, look like, oh, you hurt your back and you get prescribed as topical. You can get cannabis or terpenes added to that if you went to a compounding pharmacy like Hybrid Farm. Um, what I also- I didn't know that. That's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, so I think that there's so much opportunities to medical retailers versus rec retailers because rec retailers are going through a war in Canada right now. I think there's many yeah. of them. We need to have more medical ones. They can actually create claims. They can talk to them about their ailments and cannabis. So there's a huge approach to it. So that's why when they reached out to me and they're like, We're, they're already doing research on cannabis and endometriosis. And they just wanted a brand. I was like, oh my God, of course we're going to work together because you guys get it. You guys want to continue funding the research. You guys want to uh, let me show you what's really needed from what I've learned as a community, right? Inclusive research and stuff like that. So I'm really happy that the partnership has been perfect and I didn't have to get licensed myself, nor would I want to. I just wanted to make sure that we were getting the best manufacturing possible. And I'm glad that our partners do. Um, and and now we have an incredible baby on the market. So these are our suppositories. And the yep. first products we rolled out is the one to three. So the one to three, our hero product um, is backed by the research that Hybrid Farm has done. And it's the research was for endo patients. So this product is specifically made with them in mind. And it comes with a pack of 10. Amazing. Congrats on that. That's so cool. That's amazing. And I love that, you know, we get so much feedback online, especially from like women who suffer from cramps. Them talking about it all the time, being like, I don't have to use Advil anymore. Like I'm no longer like skipping work or skipping school. Like this is such a game changer. And that's what we need to have. I think like medical cannabis products are gonna really destigmatize cannabis versus any adult product. We, we're not seeing the full scope of what cannabis truly is. And uh, that's why I love the medical space and hopefully it can inspire more to do um, more too. Are you gonna, Amazing. are you considering offering these through the recreational channels in Canada? 
You know, we are considering it. Um, uh, we are considering it. We're not like loving it. We don't want to be in recreation. Well, but I think that I think that you know, with a product like this, how, how I, you know, how you could show it is you could show it at a much higher price in the recreational space and and fully advertise saying, hey, do you want to pay less for this? Come over here. We've got it for you here and 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 kind of act as a draw. Cause I think, you know, Canada did a poor job maintaining its medical program when it legalized in 2017. And I feel as though there is a bit of a changing of the guard now where um, we're gonna see a swing back to uh, groups like Mendo Medicinal and, and, and other uh, medical providers that pride themselves on quality products, um, cu the curation of a, a quality menu. And, and, you know, for those of us who got our licenses early on, um, and, you know, I, I'm not speaking for myself, but I know some people let those licenses lag just after legalization. I think that, you know, in the, in the quest for quality and affordability, um, I think people are going to start looking, I agree with you. I think people are going to start looking back to the Canadian medical market, re, mm -hmm. uh, getting their licenses reactivated so that, you know, they're, they're ordering their products directly to their house. Those products mm -hmm. are showing up without them having to drive in their cars to go get them uh, for, for a better price than they would be in the stores and from a shorter date from when that product was harvested. So um, I think that we're going to see an, a, a, a reinvigoration around the medical um, side of things in Canada over the next three to five years. I highly agree with that. And like going back to that, that's why I love working with Hybrid Farm. Like Hybrid Farm doesn't buy from the OCS. They buy directly from LPs. So you're always going to get the cheaper product working with a hybrid or a pharmacy model when it comes to your retailer. So there's so much benefits of being a medical patient. One, the thing that I always say is like, if you're thinking about it, just know that there's so many drugs that interact with cannabis. So it's really helpful. Like if you are on any other prescriptions to actually speak with a pharmacist to make sure that it's not interacting or at least you're, you know, have that opportunity to have that conversation. And if you do travel with cannabis um, or do travel at all and you are a cannabis consumer, it really helps to have your prescription because a lot of international places are medical only. So they can, you can have them transferred, which could be really helpful too. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so Antoinette, I want to get into um, Peak Farm Labs. So how did that come about? That's your, your newest and latest company. I know you're still running Pleasure Peaks, but can you tell us about Peak Farm Labs as well? Oh my gosh. So Pleasure Peaks, uh, Peak Farm Labs is a joint venture of okay. uh, Pleasure Peaks and Hybrid Farm. So you get okay. both of us and meet together, we create Peak Farm Lab, which is so dope because Hybrid Farm uh, has farm with the pH. And I was like, I don't want to get rid of my double P. It's <laughs> 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 also something I was trying to talk about, um, entrepreneurship and the, the, the highs and lows. Like even when we legalized, my name wasn't compliant. My name, Pleasure. Really? Company. Yeah, because pleasure is oh, a word yeah. that 
you know, it was too, it was too fun apparently for how <laughs> my whole name was messed up. So yeah, there's a, a lot going, we, there's so many reasons why I didn't start in Canada or couldn't start in Canada. Um, but now coming back, I'm happy that we're under peak farmlands and we're a minority owned pharmaceutical company that's nominated for product of the year and medical professional of the year times two. So we're really doing incredible work in the medical space and um, peak farm labs we're going to be starting our phase one clinical trial on our suppositories this year which is super exciting for us and you know we're exporting we're exporting so much internationally to medical markets because you were saying are we going to be in the recreational space the thing is is that yeah it's just really sad that like the medical space is completely shrunk here in Canada, but the medical space is so huge everywhere else. What I'm trying to do is hopefully grow the medical space here. We do want to be in recreational channels with the way how Canada has legalized. I don't think there's a way how we can get around it. We probably eventually will be in recreational stores, um, and unless there's just like an influx of more pharmacies, of course, but um, it's something that we're discussing. And But what I love, which P-Farm Labs has done very differently than any other cannabis company is we've been able to gain a lot of respect from the hospitals here in Toronto, like a lot. So we're becoming like the education partners for a lot of different hospitals and charities um, that are all health focused, especially sexual health focused or um, gynecology. Um, like we're doing so much in that space. Our, our lead pharmacist just came up with um, a CBD class that you can take virtually for all pharmacists to learn about cannabis and it is wow. a, it's a legal class and you will get it's you get hours by your opa ontario physician pharmacist something so <laughs> where they go to school pharmacists so we're so cool. doing really incredible work in the healthcare space you know i feel like doctors it's such an interesting new space for me to be in i'm direct to consumer and now we're direct to doctors and you know what i like what i the learning curve of working with them is that they really don't care about your stories. <laughs> they don't. They want to see the data and they want to see the research. And like, that's fair. That's our work to do. It's our legacy. Let's really put it into paper. And I'm glad that I finally have a team that has brought me there. So when I started Pleasure Peaks in the States, I was able to connect with um, Dr. John Tanzler and Sandra Marucci. They were at um, Pfizer and they were brought Viagra to market. And I'm, I'm just happy. Oh to be bringing the best doctors from around the world in sexual health and cannabis medicine um, to do what's really right in this space. So cool. That's amazing. Jameson, do you have a question? Or I was going to jump in. No, go for it. Um, amazing. I, I love the work that you're doing, Antoinette. It's so cool. I'm learning so much right now. Um, do you, can you talk a bit about what it's like being uh, a minority and a leader in the cannabis industry? Yeah, of course, being a minority in this space, especially for like as long as I have, like nine years, damn. I feel like <laughs> I feel like back then, oh my gosh, every like minority panel was literally like me and Ashley for so long. And Ashley's like the CEO of Harvester, like the only like black owned LP in Canada right now. Cause then all of the other ones they don't own majority equity. They've all sold out. This one is actually 
black owned, which is really cool. And they were very conscious on it. Anyways, me and Ashley go way back. But we've been a token for a long time here in the cannabis space. So I feel that it's been very interesting to navigate uh, being a minority when it's like, because it runs so deep. I think Ashley and I are both Jamaican. So we have like both Rasta in our blood. And, you know, one thing that's fascinating to me is like my grandfather was Rastafarian and he was deported from Canada. And I think like that's something that's so weird to think about now because me working in the legal cannabis space is just like literally 15 that's years crazy. Ago, 15 years ago that happened. And it's like it's like they're in a very different world now. And like to go into these cannabis conferences where seriously nobody looks like us um, is is really like hard to navigate. I think that, you know, since I've done it for so long, I've been better at just meeting people where they are. But I think it's, we do need a lot more diversity in this space, a thousand percent, not only on race, but also in gender too. Like it really saddens me that I've seen less and less women in this space. Um, and I understand why the industry is the way it is. Like if you look at it, the way it was legalized by the liberals, it, the only people who had those $5 million were like ex-political insiders, ex-police chiefs and ex-pharma, which is what you've got. And those people aren't usually of color. So we didn't see that here in Canada. Now that these corporations are buying up everyone, you know, and now we're finally allowing like legacy players and small craft people to figure out different sorts and sides of the space, we're now seeing a little bit a higher uptick and I want to see more. It's definitely been difficult, but I always say like my DMs are open and LinkedIn, like always shoot me a question if you want to know someone or learn about something specific in the space. Because one thing you will be shocked about is that everybody wants to help you. Everybody wants this industry to thrive, <laughs> right? I think we all want this cannabis industry to be so much bigger than it is and it can be but it's only if we do it right so i think like if you if you're passionate i can connect you with someone that's also passionate and that's how the way i like to mentor as well because i used to do a mentorship program and help a ton of students and entrepreneurs help them and now that i own two businesses and one being a pharma global company i just can't anymore but i can always connect you with people that would love to and there's so much there's so much opportunity i always feel like anybody loses a job in sales i'm like oh my god go to dutchy you know <laughs> like if they're if they're looking uh if they're looking for like a grow job i'm like oh my god go look at the craft like places in bc right now they're killing it or if you want to be in tech toronto and the tech scene is doing really cool stuff as well so mm -hmm. it's not limited to just lps and i think that's what i like to share people is to be a little bit more forward thinking about cannabis it's so much more than just pop these days yeah mm -hmm. amazing i love that um so the next part this is a perfect transition uh is getting into you know building a company and hiring so um, you know, what is your approach to building culture within uh, the companies that you've been running? Oh my God, this is such an incredibly important like, conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the people that you work with is so crucial. And I think like I kind of touched on it before is that I only hire the best of the best. And I think that is so crucial, especially if you're like the founder, CEO, the hiree, like this is, we cannot 
mess up the foundation, right? Because mm -hmm. spending dollars are usually very tight at that time um, and you need to be really focused. So I find that when it comes to like hiring and for me is that I, I will hire people like internationally. Like it's usually hard for me to find people local because I'm looking for very specific things. That being said, that's just because of my niche. Like, and I think everybody should probably take this approach though. I think it will help a lot. Me owning a cannabis sexual health company, it's not enough that you did pharma for six years. I need to know where you stand on sexual health. How do you relate to sexual health? Are you like sexually open? Do you understand your demographic on how they will be sexually open or going through sexual pain? Um, understanding LGBTQ experiences is incredibly important for me as an as an LGBT owned company and for a company that also focuses on research for inclusivity of genders and products as well. Um, so for me, it was a lot of things that I had to tech, like check off the box. They had to know pharma experience. They needed to know cannabis experience. They need to have sexuality experience. And I wouldn't settle for anything less. And I wanted to seriously see passion. If I didn't see any passion, I never hired. But I'm really grateful that I think for me as a company, I've always had people come to me to want to work, which is I'm very, very grateful of that. Um, my doctors have come to me and they're like, you're doing incredible work. We want to help you. And, and I made sure that they understood all of those things and they do. And I was happy to go on with them. So I think it's... Um, one thing that's the worst is people who hire the friends, you know, that's just like, just, just stop. Just don't even bother. <laughs> your uncles, your, your cousins, your friends or whatever, but do they actually have the experience to provide? Right. So, um, that's, that's kind of my hiring journey. And if you're a startup and there's not funds, like equity is still a great opportunity. A lot of people are really scared to give up equity, but what's, what's the point of having so much equity is nothing. Right. And I think like for me, honestly, like as a, as a business owner, I need to understand like my value in this business. Like this is just my idea, right? I'm not a doctor. How do I, how do I build a pharmaceutical company? Right? I'm going to need doctors. I'm going to have to give up to get some, but we're all in this together. So I think it's like really understanding yourself and where you exceed and like standing in that lane as a CEO, truly understanding like what you bring so you don't because I also see so many CEOs get fired from their own company and it's like we don't all need to be CEOs like CEOs work is so much work regardless so there's so much to it um but what I love about business too and like the greatest thing to leave about it leave with this is that there's no right way to do anything it's really how you want to do it so for me this pharmaceutical business is like a love letter from pharma meeting cannabis and like really just being here for i like that <laughs> that's cool a love letter from the two yeah. of them meeting that's what that's what we do you know and other people can have other things but it's just that's that's our lane and um and yeah i think that's the most fun part to figure out as an entrepreneur is that creativity aspect of it too mm -hmm. Amazing. What, Antoinette, what advice would you have for someone? I know you kind of touched on it before, but looking to 
enter the industry, um, you know, either globally or, or in Canada? Yeah, if you're looking to enter this industry, if you don't know what you want to do yet, uh, I would say try like at least 10 things in your first year, like just try different spaces of the industry. Um, you, maybe you don't even know that you're a really good grower. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be amazing? Like that'd be so <laughs> Like what it'd be you, very rare, but like yeah, it would be yeah. amazing. <laughs> or what if you know that like you're um like really good at like people and sales? Like that could be yeah. a whole job. And if people come like, to White Ash, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they need salespeople. So I think figuring out what you love because I think that there's no limit on work in this space. So if you're looking for a job and you just don't know where to start or where to get in, just try a bunch of them and then you will naturally work with other um departments of this industry and figure out where you actually feel the most fulfilled because there's so much work like don't even worry about it just worry about doing what you love and then as soon as you figure that out you'll get so much work there's <laughs> a ton of it in this space so and what I like about this industry too is that a lot of people um, move up in their positions a year or two years like people move really quickly in this industry so I would really strive for people to even switch up careers you know if you're really thinking about it and if you do know what you want to do and you just want to figure out how to go get in this industry is you just do it you really just do the damn thing you said you wanted to do it where have you started how far are you now what, what who can I connect you to next what are you really missing and figuring out what those things are but just reaching out I think a lot of people don't really help like people, a lot of people are their own walls you know like they'll stop themselves I feel like I don't understand how 19 year old me really thought I could do this but she did, you know, and then nine years later, <laughs> this is where we're at. So we just got to get started somewhere and just keep going. And, and like consistency, if you, if you want to be like a business owner, consistency is your best friend. Consistency. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, finding what you love first so you can be consistent. Don't be consistent in something you don't know. So that's, that's Agreed. the name of the game. <laughs> Agreed. Um, I think I have one more question, which is, are there any mentors that you'd like to give a shout out to? You've, you know, you've covered a lot here and obviously you've accomplished a lot. Is there any mentors that you've have oh. helped you along the way that you'd like to shout out? So many. I'm so grateful for these, these years in cannabis. I feel like it's been a so long but I guess my first mentor that I would love to shout out is Renee Gagnon like hello she's the coolest person in cannabis and if you don't know her she's the first woman to be licensed in LP in Canada she's also the first trans cool. the first trans woman to be licensed in, L in Canada too which is insane so she is a huge powerhouse she came from pharma and she is was always geeking out about medical cannabis applications and medical cannabis manufacturing because cannabis medical manufacturing arguably, you know, isn't the best everywhere in Canada, but it can always be better. So one thing I learned from her is 
how we can be better in pharma and healthcare and how that's incredibly important. And I learned a lot from her, especially in um, acquisitions and mergers and just business and, you know, working with the big boys as a woman or as a trans person. Um, So I loved learning so much from Renee Gagnon. Another mentor of mine would definitely be Eric Hartley Gordon. Oh my goodness. I've learned so much. You never know who you can meet. So I met this person on a plane. I missed my flight. I got on the next flight and the person next to me ended up being one of my greatest mentors. And he's the CEO of the world's largest insurance company. And um, yeah, every time I'm like super super stumped on how to get out or into a situation (laughs) I always figure I can you know bounce some ideas off of him in business and that's what I love about business is that it's just so creative and uh, I I love the entrepreneurship spirit that Eric has he's been an entrepreneur his whole life and his first corporate job is this CEO of the world's largest company which is super cool so I got to learn a lot from him uh, Neve, Neve was the owner of Calm Cannabis Living Medicine and the oldest standing and probably largest compassion club in Canada. That man deserves flowers every day because he helps so many patients and I got to learn so much about medical cannabis from him. So I'm really grateful for the people that I've met along the way that have helped me get here and my partners for believing in me and like these doctors for believing me, (laughs) you know? So it's, I'm very grateful, but mentors are incredibly important. And I know, you know, when it comes to a mentor, they don't even have to be there all the time, but if you have Mm -hmm. a question and they can answer it, that is, that is priceless for businesses. So I get that. And that's why I always say my DMs are open and because I know how much it can help amazing and that yeah i was just gonna say uh you know where can where can people reach you and if they want to find out about your products how do they find them yeah i always say the best way to reach me like if you really want to reach me for business the best way is linkedin because i check that stuff all the time so linkedin is my favorite um way to reach me uh if you want to purchase our suppositories you can go to pfarmlabs.com farm is with the ph and um it, you can get a prescription if you don't have a prescription if you do you can get them at hybrid farms currently they are coming to mendo shortly which is really exciting here in canada and um yeah you can search at peak farm labs for international co- countries too Amazing. Thank you so much, Antoinette, for joining uh, the Rooster Suits podcast. We're, we're, that was so exciting. I definitely learned a lot. Um, and, you know, we loved having you. That was so great. I'm so glad. What a great podcast. And it's always a fun time to catch up with you, too, of course. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, everybody. Don't forget to Thank like you. subscribe. See yes, you. like and subscribe and uh, follow Antoinette and her, her sexual health cannabis journey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much. Take care. Cheers. Yeah.